everyone to the eighth episode of the Electric Wire podcast. I'm Kristen Jilks, your host. I'm the executive director of the Customers First Coalition, and we're bringing you this podcast monthly now to discuss Wisconsin energy and utility issues. Today, we've got a really interesting discussion lined up for you on some of the top energy stories and projects of 2020. But before we get to that, our listeners care so deeply about energy issues and know the value of energy and keeping our households and businesses running. And I wanted to encourage you all to join me in making a donation to the Keep Wisconsin Warm Fund this winter. If you work for a company that offers a donation match, make sure you seek that out too, and make sure you ask everyone you know if they're able to offer some help to these families who need help covering their energy bills during this very difficult time. You can learn more about the Keep Wisconsin Warm Fund and donate or volunteer at kwwf.org. We're also going to put a link to that in the show notes, and thanks to everyone who can help out on that. And thanks to you all for joining us for a very successful first year of the Electric Wire. I have really enjoyed connecting with many of our industry colleagues this way in 2020. And if you have ideas for future podcasts, please get in touch. Thanks also to the members of the Customers First Coalition for your continued support. And with that, I'm going to turn us over to the 2020 Wisconsin Energy Year in Review Roundtable. Welcome, everyone. I'm joined today by Carrie Templeton, Chief of Staff to PSC Chairperson Rebecca Bach. Carrie's been at the Public Service Commission for 10 years in January. Congratulations, Carrie. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks for having me on. We're excited to have you. And also joined by Chris Hubbock, a reporter for the Wisconsin State Journal, who covers, among other things, energy issues. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Heather Allen, Executive Director of Renew Wisconsin, a familiar voice to some of you as the host of the Wisconsin Energy Broadcast podcast. This is Heather's second time joining our podcast. She was here for our very first episode to the rise of solar. Thanks, Heather. Great to be back. And last but not least, we have Matt Spencer, Director of Government Affairs for Madison Gas and Electric. Matt's been a frequent guest here, mainly just because you're a fellow podcast aficionado, right, Spence? Love podcasts. Love to be here. Thanks for the advice. Thanks, Spence. All right, let's jump right in with our first topic, and this is the top Wisconsin energy stories of the year. Chris, I'm going to start off with you because you've written probably most of the top Wisconsin energy stories this year. What have you got? Man, this is so hard because there's so many good stories, good energy stories, but I think in the end, you got to go with COVID, which is probably the number one story for whatever podcast you might be hosting, um, but it just sort of dominated everything for the year, um, you know, and surprisingly, not that many direct effects. I mean, it turns out that utilities are actually pretty uh, well set up to deal with stuff like this. Um, but the economic impacts, I think, are the going to be, are the story that, that, you know, I don't think anyone back in March thought that we would be uh, here in December, you know, with moratoriums still in place on, on utility shutoffs and with millions of dollars in, you know, accumulating unpaid bills that, you know, is, I, you know, I think going to continue to be a story next year. 
So that's that's my pick. Thanks, Chris. Anybody else want to chime in? In Madison's in Madison Gas and Electric Service Territory, we have a lot of you know foot traffic businesses, hospitality businesses. So you know, with businesses being forced to close their doors, um, small businesses are being affected more so. Um, than ever before. We recently sent a letter to our congressional delegation asking for some sort of, um, you know, utility, uh, bill forgiveness, uh, extra money for IHEAP, just because it's customers that have never faced this issue before. I mean, obviously, there's going to be situations where low income, um, you know, challenging situations that customers face, but this is a whole new animal. Um, that, you know, customers have never faced issues paying their bills before. It, it's, a, it's a problem this year. Thanks, Matt. You know, I'll just note that Customers First just sent a letter to Congress today as well, encouraging bipartisan support for uh, relief funding for utility bills, utility arrears. Um, there are more in need households than ever before. And when utility providers um, are not making disconnections, but they are still funding um, the operations, it's really important that we make sure they have the resources they need to keep going too. So I, that's something I think we're all really hoping to see come out of this next COVID relief bill. Yeah, that's a great point. I would agree with COVID. Also, you know, the Wisconsin Commission was one of the first in the country to take action to protect cons consumers to suspend disconnections but also take action to make sure utilities remain financially strong. Um, and so we were able to do that during the crisis. And as Chris pointed out, the disconnection moratorium continues till spring, um, you know, to ensure people add water for hand washing and electricity while they're staying at home and doing school at home. But there's, there's an impact to that. Um, and that's what we're gonna be looking at in 2021 with stakeholders and utilities. Um, and the utilities are gonna be filing plans with the commission in January on how they plan to deal with some of those average balances. So um, the challenges are still ahead, um, but there's hope in sight with the vaccines coming. So that's good. Absolutely. Thanks, Carrie. So from a renewable energy perspective, you know, a lot of a lot of folks have been stuck at home, looking around their houses, trying to figure out, you know, how to improve their, their own home and to lower their bills. And so we've had an interesting confluence of things happen that has resulted in just rapid, rapid, rapid uptake of residential solar in Wisconsin. We saw um, uh, the focus on energy reservations in 2019 were around just under 700 for residential solar uh, reservations for incentives. And this year they're anticipated to be around 2000. So that's a dramatic increase in residential solar customers in Wisconsin. So the solar industry has actually remained a really important bright spot in our challenged economy. And, and I think that's some, some good news to come out of this very difficult year, but it, ha it has been hard on a lot of people. And, and we, you know, we're hoping to see more good news stories like that going forward. Agreed. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Heather, I'm going to start with you for this one. What are some of the top renewable energy projects from this year from your perspective? We had some major projects get approved this year. Um, and our first, our first really large scale project, Two Creeks, up in um, Manitowoc County, 150 megawatts, 800 acres. This is an MG&E and WPS 
project um, was energized in November. That took us from around, really doubled the total solar um, operating in the state today um, with another 150 megawatts. So that was huge. And then we've had two major projects, uh, major solar projects get approval. Um, one in Kenosha County, that's Paris Solar, that's 200 megawatts. That was approved just this month. And then earlier this year, at the beginning of the year, Badger State Solar in Jefferson County. So they're both Southeast Wisconsin got approved. But there's been some smaller projects that that project I talked to you about at the on the first podcast, um, the Ranger Power Project up in Northwest Wisconsin, 74 megawatts, that also got approved this year. So there've been a number of critical solar farm approvals all around the state at all levels of government. Awesome, thanks. And you know, I was gonna yeah. note when I threw it to you, I don't, I don't want this to be a spoiler for your Energy Summit awards that you hand out in January, right? Oh no, that's, yeah, they're quite different than that. Okay. Yeah. All right. The spoilers, <laughs> but everybody should sign up for the Renewable Energy Summit in January, right? Yeah. January 12th through the 14th. We have some nationally recognized speakers, um, uh, including um, the head of the Energy Storage Association. So we're talking about batteries and microgrids. And it's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited for that. Other thoughts on the top renewable energy projects this year? Well, as a, as a company, we're obviously happy to see the two cricks um, solar facility go online. Um, it's gonna power about 16,000 homes. And um, and we've also, uh, like like Heather said, we have smaller projects that received approval and they're or under construction right now. Uh, the Dane County Airport uh, project, um, which will help Dane County complete its 100% clean energy goal. And then recently the O'Brien solar facility in Fitchburg um, it's 20 megawatts and it's going to serve large customers in our service territory through a shared solar program. Um, and then another smaller project, Mori, the Mori Field in Middleton, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, a solar project that's going to help serve the city of Middleton and the Cross Plains School District. So, I mean, obviously every little bit helps. The large solar facility that's up in um, Manitowoc County is great, um, but these smaller facilities that are down you know, near our service territory, our customers like to see them. Um, and then our large, you know, large customers like to, to buy into our shared solar program. So I would just add, um, to add a little bit of nerd factor and a stat, the commission approved um, over 478 megawatts of solar this year. Wow. So kind of to Matt's point, there are a couple of really big projects. And then there's a lot of all these other projects going on all over that add up to some really big numbers. And that's, even with COVID going on. And so it, there's just been a lot of activity and we're gonna see even more in 2021, I think. We're a smaller company, you know, when you compare us to the other IOUs in the state. And since 2015, we have, I think it's 250 megawatts that we've proposed that have gotten approval for clean energy projects. So, I mean, we're moving forward with this, you know, like I said, our customers wanna see it. So if our customers wanna see it, we're gonna do everything we can to reach our 2050 goal sooner rather than, than later. As we're talking about utility scale renewable energy, I'm looking for a few of you to weigh in on how this all fits with the environmental justice issues we've all been talking a lot about lately. Sure, uh, well, this is, this is Heather from Renew. I, I, would, I would jump in. Um, the first thing that springs to mind is there are a number of uh, unevenly distributed environmental health impacts from fossil fuel generation of electricity, um, coal-fired power plants, 
release a lot of particulates and chemicals um, into the surrounding air, water, and ground that impact the health of the people who live um, in those regions and even further out than you would expect. So oftentimes uh, it's, it's definitely proven that those are communities of color and it is, um, they, they face a disproportionate burden of the impacts of fossil fuel generation. So when we're talking about clean energy generation that does not have those, um, those emissions and those particulates uh, going into people's communities, people's homes, uh, breathing them at school. I mean, this is an answer to a huge environmental injustice. Um, so that, that's, that's one important element and I'll, I'll let my colleagues jump in here. I would just echo that, and you know, I think for sure we saw that with the with WEC's announcement of the plan to retirement of um, South Oak Creek, um, a plant where the the community has had um, a lot of impacts. You know, even just stuff like coal dust, you know, on their on their homes and cars, and uh, there there was a lot of a lot of cheering of that decision. You know, which is which is obviously uh, tied to to their plans to invest in, in wind and solar and batteries in a big way. There's a lot of interest in community solar too and um, allocating portions of that to low-income customers and um, other communities that typically are unable to take advantage of those. So that's I've seen more interest in that from utilities and stakeholders. Something the commission proposed um, in its budget was to set aside some intervener compensation funds for um, groups that focus on equity issues and our non-traditional voices in the commission process, because we all know at the commission, um, they rely on what's in the record to make their decisions. So if you don't have a voice in the record, you don't have a voice at the table in the decision. So that's something um, that we feel strongly about and is one of the chairperson's priorities this year is focusing on um, equity and diversity and including all the voices at the table. Yeah, I mean, for us, the fastest way to, to clean the grid is with utility scale solar. And, you know, Heather mentioned the two projects in Southeast Wisconsin. There's a project out in Iowa County and then the project in Kewanee or Manitowoc County. Um, all those help folks that live in apartments that can't put solar, solar panels up on their house. Our shared solar programs are wildly popular in the Madison area. And it, it just allows customers that want clean energy to get clean energy at a fair price. Um, and we're happy to provide that to, you know, the citizens of the greater Madison area. Yeah, and, and just one thing, one other thing I think about when I think about, you know, energy justice and environmental justice, uh, both, both the health impacts um, fall disproportionately on communities of color and low-income communities, but so do the costs of energy. Just the simple utility bills are a much bigger part of their daily household budget than it is for someone who makes more money. And so um, clean energy is now extremely competitive economically and it can save utilities money and it can save consumers money. And so a shift to clean energy really can help, help low-income folks and help alleviate that energy burden, that cost of energy that they have to pay. That's so true, Heather. I think I just saw um, some research came out yesterday that low-income households spend on average 15% of their income on their energy bill, and higher-income households spend 5% of their total income on their energy bill. 
And um, I think there's just a lot more that we can be doing. And Carrie, I think um, that budget item you talked about is a really good first start. Well, to loop back to, I mean, the commission approved 478 megawatts of solar, partially too based on the economics um, to Matt and Heather's points, right? Uh, the commission is charged with ensuring the energy is reliable, safe, affordable, you know, um, and in the public interest. So that's um, a key benefit to folks who struggle to make ends meet to make sure that um, it's affordable and providing the lowest cost energy. Okay. So there are some good ideas that haven't come to fruition yet, but I want to talk more about some of the top energy ideas that were put out there this year. I'll start with you, Spence. What's your top energy idea of the year? Well, we've talked about renewables. Um, recently, uh, Madison Gas and Electric applied for and received approval from the city of Madison to build a electric vehicle charging hub downtown. Um, we'll manage six of them. Um, Tesla, I believe Tesla is going to manage the other eight of them. Um, so 16, 16 total. Did I say eight and eight? So eight, we'll own eight and Tesla will own eight. Um, but we feel like this will help break down the barriers of EV ownership. Um, we currently have 40 charging stations across the service area and five, only five of those are fast chargers. But um, the, the charging hub will be located on the East Washington corridor. And we're seeing that as we put these chargers in, you know, apartment buildings, we currently service about 25 in our service territory that once these charging hubs and ch chargers go into the to buildings, um, you start seeing more EVs in, you know, the apartments because, you know, if there's no charging infrastructure, no one's going to be buying electric vehicles. And as a, as a utility, we're, we're working to, to clean, you know, the grid and reduce carbon emissions. I think the next step is to clean, you know, the transportation sector. And as a utility, we can help, you know, manage fleets, we can help manage charging. Um, and we're just happy to offer that to folks as they're tri traveling, you know, downtown. Um, it's for residents, it's for fleet managers, it's for ride sharing services. Um, but if there's nowhere to charge, you're not going to see EVs popping up, you know, across the country. I'm very excited about that one, Spence, and I'm planning on being a future user of the charging hub. I will even volunteer to be your first <laughs> charge if you let me. <laughs> I think you, I think, I mean, personally, you keep hearing about people. It's like, well, is my next car going to be an electric vehicle? Like, and once the infrastructure is there, there's there's no reason not for it not to be. But, um, you know, right now, you know, it's like a, a chicken and the egg, what's got to come first. So I think once the charging infrastructure is there, you'll start seeing more and more cars. I mean, in our service territory, I think across the country, 40% of the cars are Teslas anyway. So it's nice to see that, you know, there's a partnership with Tesla um, and mg &E to talk this to folks. Okay. Other top energy ideas. I think it's microgrids for me. I think I think Wisconsin is actually making a lot of progress on microgrids, and I I think that as we face more and more more and more extreme weather events, whether it's heat or flood or extreme cold, you know, it's really important. You know, a snowstorm that knocks out some power lines for a couple of days. It's going to be really important to have more and more microgrids um, in the system that can provide resilience and 
emergency capacity and support for communities. And, you know, uh, the Boobles Nature Preserve in Appleton has this amazing state of the art microgrid that's definitely worth touring with a bunch of different sources of energy and a different types of energy storage. But, um, you know, the, uh, the Bad River Tribe is building a huge microgrid as well. And, and I think we're going to see more and more of those come up in Wisconsin. It'll be interesting to see um, how those emerge, but I think, I think they're really valuable and exciting. I was just going to add Excel. Um, Excel just, just um, uh, introduced their proposal to do utility owned microgrids um, throughout their territory, I think up to like 30 megawatts. Um, pretty I actually just printed that out and the headline was XL Energy proposes microgrids to improve reliability for large customers. That was a Chris Hubbock article from December 11th. So everybody can go look that up if you want to read more. Well, microgrids clearly is one of them. Um, and I think I would just say that the climate change task force recommendations came out recently too. microgrids is a key part of that. And there's just a lot of ideas in there for the energy industry um, to look at, um, including other stakeholder driven processes this year um, that resulted in some collaboration and ideas um, with M work and other folks that resulted in some other great ideas to move forward on issues. It seems a lot of folks are one of the big ideas is um, not talking about issues, stop talking and start moving on them. So um, that, that's something that's been new in this year to me. My top idea is not really a new idea at all, but um, I feel like this was kind of a, a year for energy efficiency uh, to kind of come into its own. Um, it's a big part of the Climate Task Force report. Um, it was a key part of the, of the WETI report, um, which was the, the IMWORKS um, utility collaboration thing for, you know, for ways to uh, clean the grid and create jobs in economic development. Um, PSC budget um, had a modest proposal to double the focus budget, um, which um, actually has surprisingly little, uh, you know, impact at, you know, when you get down to the, to the ratepayer level um, in terms of, of the upfront cost. And then, you know, we've seen the the payback is like four to one, four dollars savings. So, um, so it's not a new idea. I mean, it's like the most old-fashioned idea we have, but I feel like it's getting some recognition this year, um, and hopefully, maybe that'll carry through. So, there were some surprises throughout the year in our energy space. What was everybody's shock of the year? Bad pun intended. Well, I'll keep it close to home. Um, I guess I'll say a couple of things. First, COVID was a huge surprise. Um, you know, in March, um, I thought uh, the biggest impact on my life was going to be a new commissioner at the PSC, but boy, was I wrong having my kids home with me 24 seven virtual school. And um, thankfully I have a job where I can continue to work from home. Um, and, you know, but that was a big one. That you know, stands out. Like Chris says, it dominates pretty much any list um, of all the stories. No, I remember having conversations with my wife about like, it's just, is this a real thing? And I was like, nah, I will be fine. And then uh, it was March 12th and my boss said, hey, let's do a dry run working from home. And 
Friday the 13th, I didn't go to work and then I just never went back. So it's, um, yeah, like Carrie said, we're lucky that we can work remotely. Obviously there's a lot of people that can't work remotely and um, suffer consequences, you know, due to the pandemic. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I was figuring that too. So I, I was going back throughout the year thinking of the thing that really shocked me enough that I had to like post about it on Facebook and everything is when I was watching the first presidential debate. Okay, I wasn't watching it in real time, but later I was watching and uh, there was a question on climate change that came up and both uh, the president, Donald Trump, as well as president-elect Joe Biden said that they supported electric vehicles. And hearing hearing that they both support electric vehicles was probably uh, one of the biggest shocks of the year for me. So I thought I'd throw out that reminder. And, and now uh, we've seen in uh, president-elect Biden's transition plan, he's calling for 500,000 new electric vehicle charging stations in part of his infrastructure plan. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out in 2021 as well. I was surprised too, um, like during the Super Bowl, there were ads for beer that were talking about renewable energy. Like it was just so mainstream to me. I was like, did you just see that ad? Weren't they just talking about making beer with renewable energy? Like it was, that surprised me too, but of course that was before. Yeah, I thought there were there were Clydesdales running through wind farms or something like that. <laughs> that was that was pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, I would I would echo that. I think um, I think the the visibility of clean energy energy issues generally um, and uh, these topics making it into all levels of politics in ways we've never really seen before in you know in the debates and then also i think the state legislature races actually addressed um climate energy more than i've ever seen before so i think that was really interesting people are really people are really starting to focus on it in new ways which is great the more the more public engagement we get on these issues the better kristen to your point about president biden now he appointed or he's nominating uh, Jennifer Granholm from Michigan, who was a supporter of EVs from, you know, governor of Michigan. And to have someone um, in the Department of Energy that understands the issues like her, I think will be beneficial to the industry as a whole. So that's yeah. a good thing. I like that staunch support for the automotive industry and staunch support for electric vehicles can go hand in yep. hand. Um, I. I, for one, was not expecting going into this year that we would have two major IOUs, Alliant and WEC, um, come out with zero carbon goals this year. Um, I mean, I guess it's not as big a surprise with Alliant, given that they had, you know, announced uh, a gigawatt of solar uh, already last year. So, so, um, but certainly did not expect that WEC would be, um, you know, putting down $2 billion on solar and batteries and wind and, and closing coal plants uh, or fossil fuel plants. So um, it was a, may, maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise, but, but still a little bit. Chris, us IOUs are definitely happy to, to work with the governor and the commission on the climate change task force. That was one of their proposals was the, you know, uh, zero carbon by 2050. And uh, 
we're all we're all happy to work towards that. We had that UW report on climate goals that showed that you know our goals are as a company are as ambitious or more ambitious than um, the IPCC. So happy to see them join. Happy you know as a as a company we're we're proud of our goals. Does that make all of the investor-owned utilities in Wisconsin carry with a zero carbon goal? Yeah, it does. And that was one of my top stories of the year right after COVID that they all have now zero carbon goals by 2050 and most have 2030 goals too. Okay, so now that we have determined that none of us could have predicted what came in 2020, let's try to predict what's gonna happen in 2021. So I wanna get your take on what you see coming next year. Chris, I'm gonna start with you again. Okay, so this sounds like a cop out, but I think I still have to put COVID up at the top of the list. Um, <laughs> one, it hasn't gone away. I mean, yeah, the vaccines are the vaccines are rolling out, but we all know it's gonna be a little while uh, before we're back to like before times. Um, two, the big looming question, you know, as even when we do is is who's going to pay all these uh, all these bills? Um, you know, at some point, it's it, is it going to be socialized to ratepayers? Is it going to be socialized to taxpayers? Uh, is it going to be passed on to shareholders? You know, or what? Will there be some other other solution for uh, for sharing the burden? But I think that's a, that's going to be a huge story still in 2021. Um, one other one, just because that because we already did talk about COVID so much, but um, that hasn't come up. I think will be interesting is Point Beach um, applying for a 20 year extension um, to that license, which would you know take that plant out 80 years, um, and I think it's going to be a really interesting. Um, debate to the extent that there is a public debate over the role that it plays in um, kind of continuing to, uh, to, to get us to that zero carbon electricity. Um, you know, it's a huge, a huge source of, of uh, Wisconsin's energy supply and a, an even bigger source of its zero of a carbon free energy supply. Um, but then there's, there's the whole question of cost um, and you know, how that, how that's going to play out. So those are mine. Who else wants to jump in? I'll go ahead. Um, It's a little different topic, but certainly a large one for the commission and that's broadband. Um, It's a huge part of our work right now. um, And we have the broadband, the governor's broadband task force continuing. Um, Clearly the COVID pandemic has highlighted even more the need for broadband for every aspect of life. Um, So we will be working on that Um, very closely with the governor and other stakeholders to try to get access to everyone and then also um, affordable access to everyone. Um, It's again back to some of these other issues we've already talked about COVID and um, some of the equity issues involved with learning um, and it gets back to broadband access. So we've got a lot of work to do there and uh, we'll be spending a lot of time um, working on that, but as Chris mentioned, of course, COVID and um, all of the utilities are scheduled or thinking about coming in for rate cases this year. Um, so that will be, it's going to be interesting. We've got gigs of solar on the docket. There's a lot of construction cases, micro grid proposals. It's going to be really exciting. It's going to be busy. 
So for, for my perspective, if you think about the smaller scale uh, renewables, 2021 is the last year of the federal income tax credit uh, for residential. And I, it's going to be 22% tax credit um, having been ramped down. And that'll be the, that last year. I think Wisconsin solar installers will be very busy in 2021, um, which is great and exciting. And I think solar is a great gig if you're looking for a gig because they are very, very busy. And uh, so I can see a lot happening in that, in that realm. Heather, would you, um, what would the odds, your odds be that, that Congress would somehow extend that um, tax credit? Or do you think it's, it, it's not necessary anymore? The prices so come down so far. I think, I, I think if you if Congress did choose to extend it for a couple of years, it would still have a very powerful impact on the market. Um, that being said, there is so much momentum in the market that that despite focus on energy having to reduce their rebate significantly from fifteen hundred to now five hundred for residential projects are still flying off the shelves. Um, I, I, I wouldn't put money on Congress extending the tax credit. <laughs> Um, I'll put it, I'll put it that way. Um, but I could see if they, if they could get, you know, when the new, all the new electeds are in office, I could see a new package in, in the near term, like maybe in the middle of 2021, where they really consider extending the tax credits at the federal, but, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put more than $10 wager on it. I think for, for me as a, as a, as a government re relations uh, manager, when 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 is the capital going to get back open? How is the state budget going to look? With um, you know, obviously, there's um, requests made by the, the commission, and working with the state the new Senate Utility Chair, uh, who's a freshman legislator. You know, obviously, there's a the utility issues is like drinking from the fire hose if you don't if you don't have any background in it. So, you know, educating him on the issues, and then hopefully. In the state house, as we move, you know, further and further, and you know, into economic um, viability of solar, that we look at this as a dollar and cents issue, and not, you know, strictly as an environmental issue. I think that you'll get more and more conservatives in the in the legislature to buy into it, um, and I, I think in the end, it's it's good for the ratepayers of Wisconsin too. So. As I'm thinking ahead to 2021, a couple things I see on the horizon is um, definitely a continued dialogue on energy justice issues. Um, I think in the in the second half of 2020, I just we we all started talking about it so much more, and these issues have have just really coincided with the pandemic, and uh, I think we're all realizing uh, how important it is to keep that dialogue up. Um, I, I hope to see a renewed focus on uh, building sector and transportation sector emissions. Um, we've talked so much about the utilities transition to renewable energy, their transition to getting to zero carbon. And um, as we look at buildings and the transportation sector, I hope that dialogue carries over there. And I think we talked about um, uh, that. It looks like we'll be seeing that from the Biden administration. Well, Kristen, just to piggyback on your last comment, the um, 
the state uh, commercial uh, building council just kicked off a rulemaking process to update um, building codes, which has been, you know, a huge, a huge thing in Wisconsin, and and one that's kind of dinged us in some of the um, the ratings, you know, the AC triple E's ratings. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And that's that's more that goes beyond 2021. It's a couple year process, but um, you know, there could be some at least there could be some dialogue on uh, on improving those. I think standards. so too. I think that's a really important place to start. And it sounds like they're starting with commercial building codes, and then moving on to residential potentially in the next year. So. Stay tuned for more on that. Maybe um, in 2021, the Electric Wire podcast can delve into some of those issues a little bit more as well. We did hold the webinar in October of 2020 that I thought was amazingly helpful. It's still on Slipstream's website if anybody wants to get a sort of a 101. And now for our final question and a segment we like to call All the Power where we ask guests to share what they would do if they ruled the energy world. So now for our last question. If you had all the power in 2021, what would you do with it? And let's start off with Heather. If I had all the power, which I would be eager to have, so whoever can provide that, please please go ahead. Um, If I had the power, the first thing that I would do would be to expand access to community solar in Wisconsin. It's um, emerging and our neighbors are doing it really well and some of our utilities have already um, got projects up and running but there's a number of uh, Wisconsinites who don't have access to community solar they can't put solar on the rooftop um, and they can't afford the upfront costs for solar in many cases so um, community solar is a great way to reach all of Wisconsin and help provide universal access to clean renewable emission-free electricity and so I want to see us really really harness that energy in the state and get strong programs all across the state to provide access to everyone. Yeah, I'd second that for sure. Um, I mean, you, you only have to look across the border to Minnesota where there are over 700 megawatts of installed community solar um, that, you know, I mean, and that's that, that's a policy decision that, that their legislature made that, you know, that Excel has to, has to connect those, um, but, Clearly, there's an appetite if you, you know, if you make it available, um, they will, they will build it. Thanks, Chris. Did you have anything else you wanted to do with all the power, Chris? Uh, yeah, I would, I would make a decision on third-party solar because nobody else wants to make it um, <laughs> unless, unless the, the, some judge can be, maybe, I, I probably will end up being the Supreme Court will be the, the, final where the buck finally stops but if you want to give me all that power i'll make a decision (laughs) all right done (laughs) well i'll bring it back to our favorite topic covid um i'm hoping that we all have vaccines and herd immunity by the time we're watching fireworks and fireflies in the yard this summer um if not much sooner than that so that would be my all the power and uh, for me, obviously, you know, 20, 2020 was weird, but it was also a successful year for the company. And, you know, our regulators have been really fair um, to us. Um, and we can only reach our goals, you know, our 2050 goals working at a rapid pace. So I think, you know, we're, 
we're happy to provide the whatever technology and whatever infrastructure our customers want to see and um, you know moving as fast as we possibly can through the regulated processes is important to us um, you know it's you're not going to see any coal fire plants and natural gas facilities in the near future at least that's not what we're hearing so um, the the solar, the solar infrastructure and the solar generation in this state will continue to grow. And as a utility, we're happy to provide that. So that's, that's, that's 2021 looking at you. Thanks, Spence. Truly, if I had all the power, I think I would just work to make sure that people understand how important energy is to their daily life. I think as we've gone through the pandemic so far, it's just been incredible incredibly helpful to be able to work from home. Um, the lights are turning on, the house is staying warm. It's, it's been a seamless experience energy-wise. And I really do think that there's so much going on. Um, it's okay. Our colleague, Jennifer Schilling always uses this analogy, like a duck floating on the water. You know, you see this graceful duck floating, but underneath it's kicking, kicking, kicking. I'm continually in awe of this industry and how effective and reliable our utilities and utility workers have been. I'm blessed because that's part of what I get to do is we hold educational events. We host this podcast, which helps inform people. So I hope that we get to keep doing that and uh, just sort of amplifying these issues for people. Kristen, I think that's a great point. And just to add on to what you're saying, I think people don't realize how much um, goes on at the utilities every day um, and how critical those workers are. And they've been showing up every single day in the pandemic for work um, and they've done a great job. Um, we don't even have to think about it. We turn the light on, flip the switch, the light comes on. Um, so we owe a lot to the utility workers who keep um, coming to work every day too. That is so true. And to all of the essential workers, the healthcare workers and everybody who has been out there day in and day out during the pandemic we're sending a huge thank you. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining today. I really appreciated having you. I thought this was a really fun way to sum up 2020. Yeah. Thanks for doing thanks this. For this was fun. Yeah. Happy New Year. Well, thanks everyone for listening and thank you again to Carrie Templeton, Heather Allen, Chris Hubbock, and Matt Spencer for joining me today for this roundtable. And I also want to say a special thank you to the members of the Customers First Coalition for sponsoring our organization and our podcast. Our members are the Citizens Utility Board of Wisconsin, Dairyland Power Cooperative, the IBEW 2150, Madison Gas and Electric, the Municipal Electric Utilities of Wisconsin, Renew Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Electric Cooperative Association, and WPPI Energy. Remember to subscribe to The Electric Wire wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Also, you could rate the podcast and leave us a review. Also, you can follow along on Twitter at The Electric Wire. Happy New Year to all of you, and we'll be back in January of 2021.